Welcome to Cosmic Explorations Podcast, curated by the Cosmos, narrated by Feva Cristina. Hello! Exploring the universe in and of us through a cosmic storytelling of astrology, an ancient love language of the soul encoded in our DNA and recorded in our charts. In Cosmic Explorations, we like to play with an embodied invocation of the zodiac energies, which are archetypal representations of life and various qualities here on Earth. Through your incarnation, and therefore a unique earthly manifestation of the higher consciousness, your energetic blueprint is a masterful mosaic of all of these energies. Which means there's a wide playground for us to explore. So, I want to welcome you to this cheeky journey of sensual shadow play as we claim our liberated authentic expression through expanded pleasure and playful embodiment as a new default for living and loving. Mm, Hello, cosmic lovers, and welcome back. If you find yourself here for the first time, I couldn't be happier to have you in this cosmic ass space. (laughs) Today we have a special satsang of love. I can't wait for you to meet my guest of this Libra season. Guest podcast special. And he... Is a he, (laughs) which is the first male podcast guest. Now, we talked a lot about polarity and we talked a lot about relating and the divine feminine, divine masculine. We haven't really had the perspective of a man here before. So, I invite you to lean into this conversation, this satsang of love exploring what it means to be artists of love, what it means to bring more art into loving and living. And for that, I am joined by Chandraj Bahadvaj. He is a seventh generation Tantra teacher. And, you know, he's the kind of a guy that gets nods from the Dalai Lama and Dr. Deepak Chopra. (laughs) And he also provides spiritual advice to decision makers in Hollywood and Wall Street. So I feel like he beautifully brings a modern context twist and thought-provoking ideas on how we perceive masculine and feminine energy through the primordial Tantra wisdom traditions. So he not only creates transformative meditation programs and helps leaders to lead with awareness and intention, I think it's also really interesting that he facilitates spiritual programs for drug rehabilitation centers. And you know what they say, love is the strongest drug known to humans. I don't know if they say it with these words, but you've definitely heard that love is a drug. And as humans, we get pretty addicted to it in many, many weird ways. (laughs) Now, this is definitely not the main argument of this episode. I just thought it was a pretty funky bridge. (laughs) However, I'm happy to open up this 
topic, this exploration, and kind of set up the theme for you to dive deeper into what it means for you to be an artist of love. But what Chandrish and I are going in this episode is really looking at how Tantra views relationships and love. What is the difference between a tantric relationship and a sacred union and how relationships are a part of our spiritual path or can be. We go into different stages of love and what is the healing that needs to be embraced before we are ready to embody the divine love that in concept we know we are at our core. And also what is the healing that we are avoiding that is preventing us to from experiencing the love externally, the love that we desire. And that's already a beautiful reflection point that you can dive deeper into in your own reflection. What it means to you to love freely. What is it that you desire in love? What do you need? Do you actually need it? Where is the freedom in all of that? How can we hold space for transformation within relationships? What is our capacity to receive and give love? What are our love languages and our attachment styles, if you will? These are all the beautiful topics of Libra. And I go deeper into that in the previous episode for Libra season. So feel free to check that out. So Chandraj brings so many beautiful stories into this conversation. And I invite you to take a deep breath into your heart, relax your shoulders, and allow yourself to be taken on this beautiful ride with us with an open heart, to be carried with love, into love, through love, in this conversation and beyond, into the day, the week, the month, the year, this life, you know and beyond <laughs> enjoy yes ma'am Chandrash Bahadvaj you know I, I practiced your surname through your podcast listening podcast. for years so I don't even yeah. have to read it <laughs> it is sang through me yeah thank you I feel so honored to be connecting with you today and you know I've been in your field for a while now we could mm. now talk about the pre-corona times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's when I take I have taken one of your meditation courses and I've been listening to your podcast, um, even when it was under a different name. And I've been resonating deeply with your poetic posts and feeling the devotion and adoration that you have for the feminine, for the Devi consciousness. Thank you. And so much of what I recognize in your work, in your sharing, is also the essence of cosmic explorations. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in this space, um, it's really about the embodiment of love through play and devotion. And we talked about these flavors through different lenses on the podcast before, but I've never had a male guest on it yet. Mm -hmm. So it feels really special. And I feel so excited to have this conversational dance. Yeah, and we are here to talk about the artistry of love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm honored to speak on all the topics you mentioned. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's on your mind? Well, to start with, I would 
love for you to reveal in your own words what do you feel is at the center of your teachings of what you feel is your life work and what your soul has come here to share with the world yeah you know i've been exploring that a lot lately you know from a newer perspective as well i feel we are here to reinvent ourselves and i uh, push myself honestly for that a lot I listen to uh, artists a lot, different artists from different parts of the world. They could be, they may or may not be the quote unquote spiritual, you know, people. Mm -hmm. uh, but I love how raw and how honest, how authentic they are toward their craft. And one thing I've learned from various artists is that they reinvent, they rediscover, you know, their purpose, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a true believer in that. I feel... I don't want to, you know, I don't want to enforce my mind to live up to a certain idea of a spiritual teacher. And I feel if I can simply honor the current season of my life, mm -hmm. that would be the purpose. That would be the Leela, you know, the play of life I'm mm. in. Currently, I feel extremely empowered and supported uh, to honor the Devi consciousness on a public level. I mean, I don't have a memory of my life, Eva, when I was not surrounded by the Tantra goddess work. Mm -hmm. uh, since I was a toddler, mm -hmm. you know, the, those are my memories of life. Uh, but it's first time I'm opening up, you know, on sharing that work on a public level, uh, public scale. And I feel uh, at this moment, the purpose that's unfolding, the, the inner voice that's unfolding is all about uh, share that Devi consciousness energy because I genuinely feel the divine feminine uh, has been uh, a bit angry for the right reasons, you know, <laughs> uneasy for the right reasons. And I feel we owe it, like, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of men. We owe it to mm -hmm. them to hold a safe space for them. Uh, so that they can continue to roar, they can continue to, you know, be angry for the right reasons. And that's how they can disrupt the system, you know. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, like my Shakti is dancing to your words, because I also have your chart open in the tropical mm -hmm. astrology. And like what you're saying, I would love to give a little bit of like an intro context to it, if I may. Yes. Um, and like, you know, first thing that I, when I opened your chart, I shared with you, wow, so much, so much fire. It's so present in me, in you. And that's the passion, right? Mm -hmm. Your ascendant 0 0.5 degree of Leo. So it's on the cusps. So again, bringing the wisdom of the past life nourishment that you have been initiated into by the divine feminine and divine masculine. And now this fire of the Leo is like bringing it through the warrior of love, the heartful leader that is here to, with that masculine essence and masculine penetration, share the gifts of the feminine, the art of love, which is your North Node in Taurus 10th house, literally bringing the luxury, the beauty, the um, magnificent of also the dark feminine, the repressed feminine in conjunction with Lilith, 
out into the open, the tent house being the house of the public, of your legacy, of your purpose. Mm. And your inner Shakti is fiery. Your moon being in Aries, the ninth house, it's like, you know, she has the higher knowledge and the wisdom and she knows what to do with it. It's a really powerful combination there. And it's beautiful to see you live it. It, yeah, it's beautiful to hear it, honestly. I, first of all, I have, you know, because I grew up in family of astrologers, healers, mm-hmm. and teachers, I, I barely have anyone else reading my chart. So, <laughs> and that on a podcast. <laughs> so, this <laughs> very beautiful, very heartwarming. And you mentioned a word, Eva, that just hit me straight in the heart the repressed feminine. Oh. <clears throat> I feel uh, in my life, I've always held a very soft corner for the repressed feminine. Mm -hmm. I can't help but take it very personally when I come across any repressed feminine and I still question it. I wonder about it. Why do I take it so personally? Why do I get so personal? They could be anyone. They could be someone in my friend circle, Mm -hmm. family circle, student circle, or a complete stranger. Like I'm willing to go way out of my zone, Mm -hmm. step in and and know what what can I do Uh, and I haven't been able to find any psychological dots there and my my guess is it's past life stuff because absolutely and I can see this in your chart right the 12th house that is the transcendental that is where we're coming from is Mm -hmm. in cancer which is the divine mother right Mm -hmm. which is that feminine and this is where your venus is as well So, you know, this unconscious realm that you have carried kind of like a big life lesson, karmic lessons to resolve that are fueling a lot of your doing, but it's also here to be transcended, to be healed um, because your south node of past karma, what you're here to transcend, transmute and rise from in the fourth house that is again, the ancestral line, the roots in Scorpio, bringing through that which has been shamed rejected that which we didn't we are not as a society we are not always daring to look at and now we're bringing it through in this artistic manner good to know none of this is accidental right like it's all written (laughs) in the planets it's fascinating I have, you know, when I, in very rare cases when somebody else from, you know, outside my lineage has read my chart, they would tell me things that just kind of blows my mind because it's almost like they're sneaking into my soul and they're telling me things that that only I know or I feel. So you're doing that right now and uh, <laughs> the listeners are going to get a sneak into my life, I guess, through you today. Well, I feel like a lot of your work also speaks of that. I know a big part of what you're also doing is helping men reconnect with their feminine. And that is that big repression that has been happening for centuries. And so you also kind of mentioned, yeah, your relationship with astrology growing up in India, where the Vedic astrology is so present and also quite deterministic and brings a different flavor to it. And it is astrology, not in the necessarily uh, written life path, but a reflection of the flavor and the motivation, the drive, the dharmic pull of our lives. 
एब्सोल्युटली इन इंडिया एस्ट्रोलॉजी इज नॉट हाउ वी सी इट इन द वेस्ट इन द वेस्ट इट्स स्टिल यू नो लाइक अ cozy activity you know you go to an astrologer uh, once in a while maybe mm-hmm. if you are a consistent you know follower of astrology in india it's like a daily thing almost mm-hmm. like people who believe in it they wouldn't take any step you know without consulting their family astrologer uh, it's powerful if you you know if you are with the right astrologer and of course it becomes very taming if you're not with the right astrologer or teacher Absolutely. but that's with everything in life right same with tantra and, <laughs> same with tantra these are such sensitive works mm-hmm. if you are with you know an unconscious leader oh my god the damage is irreversible mm-hmm. uh, yeah it it could uh, and that's another thing that kind of motivated me uh, to leave banking wall street in new york mm-hmm. because i did, i did see a lot of damage lately i came across a few you know information pieces documentaries uh, and i was i was aware that this kind of stuff is happening so it disturbs me uh, on a very deep level but i have stopped reacting out of anger uh, and i have mm-hmm. started channeling a lot of that anger into my work so when i work on a new program in leela mm-hmm. uh, it's coming out of that you know that fire that anger that that i felt regarding mm-hmm. a certain cult or a certain you know teacher student dynamic and i'm like no this is not good this is absolutely damaging and wrong but speaking about it i don't want to be a keyboard warrior you know typing about it and then people reacting emotions are high and then next thing shows up in four days and then you're jumping onto that mm-hmm. i i truly believe if i really want to bring a change that's long lasting mm-hmm. i got to create something tangible out there and not just you know uh speak about it on social media which is you know which has its importance obviously uh but i feel certain problems need deeper solutions and you got to invest your time into making that happen mm, absolutely yeah and you know we are now connecting for libra season which is a lot about justice it wants things to be right and the ruler of libra is the planet venus the planet of love partnerships values beauty harmony balance and um i digged it up that in i mean in hindu mythology the feminine deity that is associated with venus is lakshmi the goddess mm-hmm. of luck and wealth the yeah. embodiment of shakti that represents abundance wisdom beauty and also fertility if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this is definitely the goddesses your area of expertise mastery and connection so i'm wondering what do you feel lakshmi teaches us about love and partnerships how can we understand love through shakti and the devi consciousness yeah love that question eva um so two aspects of lakshmi i must mention here one is mm-hmm. the goddess lakshmi and that is the hindu vedic traditional goddess mm-hmm. the one that's very popular and for every hindu goddess you would you know have a tantric form of her mm. so you know for goddess lakshmi her tantric form is goddess lalita triprasundri not an easy name mm-hmm. <laughs> so also the sort of nickname for the, for her is shri goddess shri mm-hmm. so uh, ma lakshmi and goddess shri lalita tripurasundri they both represent 
uh, abundance. I use the word conscious abundance a lot because mm. it kind of, you know, uh, invites in so much, you know, uh, people do relate to goddess Lakshmi as just the wealth part, but they do represent, of course, the the money number one, mm-hmm. social well being, mental well being, personal well being, family well being. Uh, also, you know, goddess Lakshmi invites you to start enjoying and respecting mm-hmm. the pleasure, the abundance. Uh, one fascinating thing about tantra or Hindu traditions is that they don't tell you to renounce the world and you know glorify the poverty they tell you you could be the richest person in the town and also the most mindful yogi you mm-hmm. don't have to be making you know money hand to mouth <laughs> to to mm-hmm. be you know you could be uh, abundant in both the worlds spiritual fulfillment and material abundance you could have the balance of both so this is number one teaching of lakshmi ma uh, if you really want to surrender to her, you first got to look into your perspectives about money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what do you, how do you relate to money? Because if someone tells you, you could have the balance of both, your limiting belief systems about money will show up. So you got to work on those limiting belief systems about abundance, money, about, you know, how you handle the money. So the first principle here is uh, you are worthy of that balance, the mm-hmm. balance of material abundance and the spiritual fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Second, very interesting and important principle that I find very fascinating, uh, the energy of money, wealth, is fluid, mm-hmm. which means if you are holding it, if you are you know holding it tight, it's going to leave you soon. If you are you know moving it, that's when it flows. It's the prana in it, the life energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, nowadays you hear because I'm I have Wall Street background, finance mm-hmm. background. I hear a lot of money gurus talk about that. Don't put your money in savings account. It won't grow there. Put into stocks, mutual funds, and all of that because that's where it grows. And there's an interesting tantric principle happening there. Uh, Tantra has said this thousands of years ago. You've got to rotate the money, move mm-hmm. the money. And that also means, let's say, I make $100,000 this month and I'm loving it, enjoying it. And now the problem will be if I sit on that 100000 and I, I underpay my you know team, I hire the cheapest workers and negotiate with them and pay them even you know lesser money, that would be terrible. Uh, the right thing here is with the money I have, First of all, I got to invite in the right environment where I work. So if if you're on a podcast, get a good laptop, get a good mic, you know, like enjoy that energy, right? I, I can see you dancing because I know you believe in it. <laughs> um, and then if you have a loyal team and they have been working with you, honor them, reward them, you know, do not hold back your money, then reinvest that money uh, into your own growth, you know, join uh, maybe a business coaching, life coaching, spiritual coaching, whatever, you know, you need, invest it, reinvest it, that's when the abundance flows. Uh, People are so much focused on the ideas of passive money and all those new age ideas that they start to almost ruin the essence of money Mm. but goddess lakshmi is so clear about it move the money it's Mm. fluid allow it to flow why are you so afraid and insecure about it 
I love that you dove deep into the money consciousness because, you know, Venus also rules the material possessions and financial abundance for sure. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that they say that the shadows around money are the shadows about love. And so much of what you're saying, I just can see so beautifully transmitted and translated into the questions and the topic of love. Okay, so we have the Hindu goddess of Lakshmi and the image that always comes up for me is like that of her uh, where she sits on a lotus uh, which is also like the flower of life and she's like flanked by two elephants who are showering her with cosmic waters and what is like what comes to your awareness right away is like okay so she has four hands and there are like two elephants there and when I was tuning into this episode, it's like what I see here is polarity. It is the representation of that duality. But at the same time, she possesses the wholeness of the polarity and duality at the same time. And it's the same with Vishnu, her husband in mythology, right? And this polarity is such a, you know, almost like a buzzword now in the conscious relating communities and on Instagram and the masculine feminine energetics. Um, there's, I feel like a lot of distortion and confusion, sometimes even misuse, if not abuse in this concept. So I wonder what is your perspective on polarity within partnerships, within, yeah, loving. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, all these things have become marketing buzzwords, right? Mm. Uh, and they also, uh, they bring certain understanding, but then they also start to limit you in case you get stuck on just those ideas. Mm. My um, perspective and experience of polarity really comes from the Shiva Shakti dynamic. Uh, even if I bring in Malakshmi, she does not represent just the spiritual healing. She represents the wholeness of life. Yeah. So fertility, you know, abundance, growth, luxury, pleasure, also devotion, it's all there. And uh, Shiva and Shakti, Radha, Krishna, you know, uh, there are many interesting, very clear metaphors, symbolisms in the Hinduism, in the Tantra, where they teach you that Shiva, the rooted leadership, the rooted warriorness, mm -hmm. uh, is empowered with the playful, intuitive feminine. In fact, like to even go deeper here, the word Shiva, right, and the word Shakti. If you write them in Sanskrit, uh, the Shakti, the you know, it brings in the sound of the Shakti, the I sound, and if you take out that sound from Shiva it becomes shav. So there's no E sound, shiva. Mm -hmm. It becomes mm -hmm. shav. And shav means lifeless. Mm -hmm. So the conclusion here is, if you take out shakti from shiva, he's lifeless. <laughs> and he becomes shav. He's not shiva anymore. <laughs> and that kind of, it's so powerful, honestly. Yeah. It makes you respect and love the feminine in the way they deserve, in the way they truly should be loved. I think we spend too much time on analyzing the feminine and very less time in honoring and loving the feminine. And uh, the truth is love is their food. Love is their fuel. Uh, you see it all around. You know, you could, uh, you know, you could sit next to a strange stranger woman, you know, anywhere. And if you simply honor her effort in that moment, she could be cleaning the table. You honor her with love. Her face glows with smile. 
you know, you honor your partner, your mother, your friend who's female uh, with very simple acknowledgement of their effort. They're happy. Love is the food of their soul. You know, mm. it empowers them. So think less and feel more around the feminine. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. so often if we just try to define the feminine like she's undefinable right exactly. but um <laughs> it's really beautiful how like while we also honor the sheep um do you know what is the um vedic word for venus oh i wouldn't know i should i should know i'm i, I mean... left the, i left the astrology space uh so many years ago and yeah so i can help friend. you it's yes, shukra shukra yeah shukra yeah, yeah uh-huh and that's so fascinating when i learned that because i learned that it means semen uh-huh semen yeah. word for a feminine planet of love but it <laughs> makes so much sense when you think like even when i think of astrological terms that venus is not only ruling Libra, it also rules Taurus. So it's already, again, the polarity. But in Libra, in its essence, the zodiac sign is one of the masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And it's the container of relationships that invites Venus, the Shakti, in to create that balance. Again, the beautiful dance of polarity, which is what you were saying with Shiva Shakti. Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned the Sanskrit word shukra, you know, shukra, shukranu, that semen. Mm. And I have been, you know, I've started to share that on the on my podcast as well about semen retention, you know, mm -hmm. uh, holding that energy within, channeling it, transcending mm -hmm. it, because that's what the Venus would want from you. Not releasing it unconsciously, but channeling it, transcending it, get to know it, you know, play with it. Uh, that's when you really, you know, keep it alive, raw and real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there we are in the realms of tantric practices, right? Tantric relationships is what is um, uh, cool now. <laughs> um, and even like coming from Radha Krishna Shiva Shakti, this sacred union that I feel like everyone is now yeah recognizing and longing for in our essence so i would love for you to maybe expand on this a little bit more of like what is the difference is there a difference between a tantric relationship a sacred union how would we define a healthy relationships and a, and a toxic one in a way yeah you know we are in such a messy space right now unfortunately with love and intimacy because there is oversupply of information out there. Mm. And when there's oversupply, there's, of course, going to be some authentic version of it, some man-made version, some a mix of both. And as a curious seeker, you are tr you're trying to trust, right? You're going into the right space based on your knowledge, your awareness. And if you end up you know, being in the wrong space, either you accept it as your reality or you get so scared, so traumatized, you run far, far away from it. So mm -hmm. it all ends up contributing to the messiness of it. Uh, but if I truly tap into the Tantra space of love, the sacred union, Tantra says love is not a relationship. Love is not what we do. Love is what we are. Mm. Love is what we are. That's the 
the bottom line. Love is a state of your being. It's a state of your awareness. The way we are wired to love, it's loving through mind, you know, mm -hmm. through the lens of the physical context. Uh, I often say love is often a hidden craving for sex. You know, we use mm -hmm. the passport of love to enter into the space of sex because it will get you that. Uh, if you truly wish to tap into love, the sacred union of Shiva, Shakti, Radha, Krishna, you've got to understand love even beyond the sexual intimacy and simply connect to the intimacy, to the ecstasy of it. Sex is one of the first steps of that love. And if you truly indulge in it with awareness, then you go way beyond it. Then it's like it's a portal, not a, a, a vessel, portal. would you say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. imagine there's a temple on top of the mountain and there are 100 stairs to it so mm -hmm. sex would be the first five or ten stairs the rest of the 90 are even more magic magical even more pleasurable but you got to trust the process you cannot you know people just sit on those first 10 stairs and because they are leading to the temple they feel oh i'm already at the temple the truth is, no, you're still 90 stairs away from it. You've got to take the steps. But uh, it's such an obsession and fascination with the sexual release that people are not able to go beyond it. But Radha and Krishna, they teach us that there is play in that intimacy. Uh, sometimes it would result in sex. Sometimes it would result in just play. Sometimes it could be being in silence. Sometimes mm. it's simply poetic exchange. Sometimes it's just dance, meditating together. Who knows where it takes you? Yeah. Uh, people are planning a bit too much with the sexual intimacy now. That's not the sacred union way. Uh, well, yeah, it's all of the flavors of intimacy that can be found in literally every moment of every thing. Um, and that's the cosmic love that we, at the end of the day, strive for, right? That transcendental yeah. love that is not attached to the object or the outcome, right? Absolutely. Deep down, you, I, everyone, we are longing for that cosmic love. Uh, if if you are drinking coffee at 6 a.m. in the morning or you're trying marijuana or you're trying uh, other substance or you're indulging in food, guess what? Deep down, it's all a longing for that cosmic feeling that orgasmic feeling and uh, physical release. It gives you that feeling pretty quickly. So we indulge in it uh, and then we fail to experience anything beyond it. Uh, why, you know, why would you find mountains so peaceful? Why would you feel so much bliss among the water, the ocean? Mm -hmm. There is that cosmic union happening in the nature yeah. and you're getting a taste of it. That's Tantra. You know, when you mentioned the mountaintops and the tranquility, I was like, yeah, but like the way up can be sometimes pretty dreadful. And I think this is also a good like image or like an example of how it is too, because I see so many people are attracting a conscious partner and manifesting the ideal lover, beloved. Um, but there's this healing process. You mentioned the steps to getting there. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what do you see in your practice? What are some of like the core 
healing things of most relationships or what are the healing that what is the healing that people are avoiding but needs to be done and integrated before we can be in the space of that divine love people are avoiding themselves that's the bottom line mm -hmm. you know i lived in hollywood for nine years so that's one thing i used to see every day you know there's a lot of homeless around hollywood right so i would go for a walk early morning and late evening and you would see homeless people sitting next to each other, sharing food sometimes, uh, you know, and I, I would often buy them sandwiches. And uh, I, I would notice if, you know, they would share it with the, you know, the homeless person there. And even in India, I've seen that. And I use this homeless analogy because I'm onto something here as I share the homeless example. When people fall in love, they are like that. Two homeless people suddenly in a new spot. But they're not revealing to each other that I'm homeless. Mm -hmm. They are telling each other, I, I got the food. I got candies. I got, you know, fruit. I got everything that you need. And the other person is like, oh, thank God. He has it because I clearly don't. But the other new homeless is also telling them, yeah, I also got the same in my bag. So, yeah, I'm going to actually give you the fruit. I'm going to give you the candies. You know, I'm slowly going to give you not everything today. So they both are, you know, having a great time hoping that yes this person got what i need and the other homeless is like yes this person got what i need after few days few weeks when the excitement calms down they're like you know what i've been waiting for too long <laughs> can you finally give me what you have and then they're like oh i thought you have that because you told me you have it and the other person is like no uh, i was hoping you would give me so that's when anger, betrayal, disappointment mm -hmm. shows up because you both were promising each other something that you both do not have. Now, what's wrong here? Mm -hmm. The wrong here is the first expectation that you're enforcing on the other. If you avoid yourself, you're always going to be disappointed. You will never be fulfilled in love if you're looking for it in someone else outside of you. And it's such a harsh truth, Eva, to even say that. Like people unfollow me when I say that on Instagram because they're like, nope, you, how, why do you say that? My attachments are everything. You know, my partner is everything. But then they come back after months or years that, you know, I unfollowed you because you said something. It just made me so uncomfortable. But yeah, you are so right. If you keep avoiding yourself, you're not going to experience anything in abundance be it love relationship money intimacy anything your first duty here is to come back to yourself self-reverence if you do not value yourself if you do not have enough love for yourself how can you expect someone else can do it for you and if someone else actually shows up and starts to give you the love and you don't have it trust me it's going to collapse one day and it's going to collapse really badly because the other person is doing that because they went through their own overgiving patterns. So they're overgiving and giving. And one day they're going to burst like a volcano because they won't have anything more to give you. Mm -hmm. So first step here is to come back to yourself, the self-reverence, get to know who you are, get to know your self-love language. And you would be surprised how you are going to fill up yourself with so much playfulness, poetry, sensuality, and passion that 
everyone else around you wants a piece of you. And then it's flowing. Uh, anyone who joins you in that space, they are not going to join out of need. They are going to join out of sharing. And that's when the sacred union starts to happen because you two are not fulfilling each other's vacuum. You are supporting a foundation. Mm -hmm. There are two different pillars blending into each other's color without losing your own color. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people understand that in concept, but once the shit hits the fan, <laughs> once yeah. the Shakti starts revealing, then we, you know, this is where the polarity dance really starts. Are we able to, within ourselves, have that masculine holding, that space, that spaciousness to be with what is, and at the same time to move the energy and process whatever is arising in this beautiful dance of the shadows that are coming out to expand us into more love. And at the same, at the end of the day, it's again the dance of love, even like the path to love is love itself um, but it's hard to sometimes put it into practice right and this is where yeah all of the shadow aspects of what Libra is revealing to us too the codependency the people pleasing the attachment style the grasping um, you know it's about a cycle of giving and receiving but when it becomes a projection and a possessiveness in a way of like I gave you this, so you need to give me that. Um, this is where, <laughs> um, yeah, the healing yeah, actually I mean, every, begins. <laughs> exactly. I feel a combination of what you mentioned, you know, the attachment styles, the whole therapy, psychology coming in. Mm. Uh, and then you can go even deeper through the tantra work, mm -hmm. through the spiritual work, meditation. It's a combination of many factors because... Mm -hmm. As a human consciousness, you're so unique, you're so beautiful uh, that you cannot just take one pill and hope it's going to solve everything. Uh, you are a blend of so many colors and seasons. You've got to have patience with your growth, right? You've got to trust your growth. That's what I've learned with the Tantra work, really. Mm. So what happens in that sacred union between the two? people that have integrated these energies what is kind of what is that power and the healing energy of love and deep intimacy that you feel is at the core you know that's i mean if i start describing it uh, the words are going to limit but yeah let me try to limit it in words and <laughs> let me try that uh, imagine sounds are welcome <laughs> right yeah yeah i'll, I'll uh... I'll save the audience from the sound. <laughs> Let me use the words. Imagine, you know, like you look at yourself as Eva, a woman, a human. Eva is your name. You have a certain label, a profession. Mm -hmm. There are emotions. And suddenly there is no ego. What does ego bring? Control, possession, mm -hmm. wanting. And suddenly that ego is releasing itself and you are becoming a pure space of egolessness in that moment there is no control there is no possession in that moment you are possessed by the divine you are not possessing anything you a certain force is stepping into you your social identity religious identity cultural identity it's all vanishing and all that remains is the egolessness, 
the pure consciousness mm. that's what happens in the sacred union it's a pure moment of bliss no ego no control no desire and you are simply showering yourself in that most unconditional divine love mm. and you can take it way deeper through the sadhana work the mm-hmm. sacred union gives you the taste that's an appetizer and then you could have the whole meal you got to be a cook right you got to learn the recipe but yes uh, in one word it's the space of egolessness nothing remains only yeah. love remains mm, cuz love was all that was ever there no <laughs> love is what will always be there right even mm-hmm. when you why the whole material drama vanishes love will still mm. be there but you know how they say that partnerships relationships are usually like one of the toughest most confronting spiritual paths what do you think about that they are tough obviously they are tough they are complicated they are messy they'll test your boundaries they'll test your patience uh, but that's where the spiritual work is required uh, it's easy to run away and live in the mountains and be a monk mm. uh, but i genuinely feel uh, to be a monk is such a sacred step uh, we are not ready for it i i don't want people to romanticize with the idea of monk you know yeah. i tell people uh, when people say think like a monk and i'm like no don't think like a monk because if you are a monk you wouldn't be sitting here monks are not here monks have renounced everything monks do not care if you spit on them if you give them flower for them a spit and a red rose they mean the same thing that's what a monk is so a lot of monks i have met they have ran away from their system to find the truth and it only gave them more frustration but then there is that extremely rare percentage of monks who truly lived the monkhood and it's because of those monks mm. that we experience the collective harmony love peace bliss so you know keeping that in mind you have to first understand what is my dharma here you know mm-hmm. relationships are messy and am i avoiding the mess if i'm avoiding the mess if i'm trying to run away it's not that easy you got to handle it you got to learn it you know buddha did something very interesting buddha got married he had a child and then he stepped away from the you know pleasures of life and he started living in jungles finding the truth after he got the truth he came back to the palace to apologize to his wife and she said you know i have one question now you are enlightened self aware and all that wasn't this possible living here with me he said it was possible but i was so unaware so unconscious mm. that i thought i have to run away mm. uh so you don't need mm. to run away buddha has taught us that uh you could be where you are and handle the mess we got to learn to like things that need to be done you know mm Uh, yeah like two things are coming up in what you're saying for me it's like one is can you actually run away from relationships because it's just basically choosing 
what is the relational playground that you want to engage in because at the end of the day everything is a relationship so you know it just happens that relating with other humans it's a direct literal mirror to you and that's why it's so confronting because especially the people that we're going to connect with right are going to have a certain resonance with us and this is where astrology comes in beautifully again to help us decode and understand and deepen and find more acceptance in that um and the other thing about what you said you know, because what you were saying, the relationships that monks are cultivating, are they renouncing themselves of any relationships? Or are they just focusing on the core relationship, which is with divinity, with God? And with, this is where Tantra has it, right? Where we recognize everything as God, as divinity. It doesn't really matter what you focus on, as long as there's the intention, the energy, the connection and openness to have that God revealed to you through whatever conflict, wounding, complicated situation that there is. Yeah. Yeah. So much, so much of powerful stuff is showing up right now. So I'll share two things. Yeah. You mentioned relationship and then you use the word relating. That's Uh Tantra is very clear about it. Tantra says, relationship is what the legal system the culture the society has built Mm. that you are in relationship with xyz these are the norms these are the laws if you break Mm. it you know you'll be punished it's actually a ship so it's like a construct thing it's a box it's a construct it's a social norm and uh, we we have defined relationships so rigidly right there's a business relationship friendship a romantic relationship and so on uh, and they all limit you restrict you but of course they also sort of make you responsible right they give you accountability you can't just run away from that responsibility there's a legal way of handling that so relationships mm-hmm. are very much man-made in that way mm-hmm. tantra says drop relationships and embrace relating mm. so how are you relating to yourself today how are you relating mm. to your partner today you know and i think that releases the pressure that the partners have for each other because right. they are required to show up in a certain way every single day and this is why you would notice marriage especially marriage or a long term relationship uh, it starts to look lifeless after a certain point only because it has become so rigidly defined mm. but relating keeps the you know magic alive it keeps you uh evolved in the process because you are relating to yourself and your partner in a new way every day mm, i love that it becomes a choice a, an everyday a choice, choice. Mm-hmm. yeah and it and it brings yeah. more spaciousness and freedom to it which is mm-hmm. one of my questions too like what does it mean to you to love freely? Yeah, you're asking me personally yeah, what I am. To love, <laughs> yeah, to love freely means uh, exactly what the word says love freely. Now, the modern context looks at it in a different way. When I say love freely means love freely, a modern new age voice would translate it to, oh, have sex freely. <laughs> love freely means sex freely. Uh, Mm. And that's when it's going to get exhausting. 
you can barely handle one best friend nowadays. I mean, and this is not just nowadays truth. This is the eternal truth. You cannot have more than a few close friends because they require energy, investment, mm -hmm. presence, right? So, and it's the same with meditation. Like I grew up devoting my energy to Goddess Kali. But if you tell me, can you equally devote your devotion to Shiva, Ma Durga, Ma Lakshmi, Radha Krishna? The truth is I won't be able to do that and it will take my devotion away from Makali. So mm. there's one one aspect of this is if you love freely, you've got to understand what does it mean for you? Uh, how do you show up to love freely? And the only way I personally know is cultivate love as a state of your being. Cultivate love as a state of your awareness. So right now, as you and I are talking, we are breathing. So what is this breath? It's a state of our being. It keeps us alive. I'm not even trying to breathe. It's happening in the background. Mm. You know, that's how love should be. If it's not that way, I know something is wrong with me. So when I, I'm all about loving freely, I don't think there's any other way that I know how to love. But the problem would be if my love, the love-free approach is very powerful for an attractive woman, but it's not equally powerful for, let's say, a homeless person who's not as attractive as that attractive mm -hmm. woman I'm talking about. So that's where we start to love selectively. Mm -hmm. So if I'm able to have compassion, empathy, and love for a stranger who's not giving me anything, you know, then I should should be able to show up with the same love for everyone. When lust steps in, it's going to limit the love. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not denying the, the pleasure of lust, but I'm encouraging transcending lust. Transcending the lust will happen when once you experience it fully. People are not even indulging in lust fully, you know. They are, <laughs> they are touching At lust. At least do it well if we're going to do it. <laughs> At least do it well, you know. If you want to have chocolate cake, can you just sit and enjoy the chocolate cake? Yes. Because you are dreaming about it every day. You are thinking about it while you're having your salads. So please let go of the guilt. Have your chocolate cake so that it's not showing up in your dreams every day. You know, commitment uh, to what is. <laughs> indulge in that experience with complete awareness. Yes. The problem is when you are with your partner, when you're making love, to your partner you're thinking of someone else when you're with them you're thinking about your partner when you're not doing it you're thinking about something else so intimacy has become such a mental fantasy that in reality it's not even having that fire and i'm sure you see it happening a lot around you as well that people are investing so much of their sexual fire on the digital screens that mm -hmm. in the reality nothing is happening like there are countries cities communities right now who are struggling with the sexual intimacy like i i heard this few years ago that in japan the younger crowd isn't even dating anymore they are not even you know going into relationships they are just suppressing the sexual intimacy and my cousin you know stayed there for a few years he was doing a, a medical program there mm -hmm. and then my student is there so I asked them you live in Japan is that the case like people are not indulging sexually or the dating culture is dying and they said yes 
it's very rare, you know, that you see it happening. And now I see it, you know, all around me everywhere, honestly, uh, because the social media, the apps, they have, you know, put the pleasure on the phone. So you get all aroused and excited through the screen. But when you're sitting with a person, you're like, all right, so when are we, you know, ending this or are we going to have sex? And that's all. So there's so much of mental scatteredness, you know, happening mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And it's similar to expectations in relationships, in partnerships, in love. Um, you know, what's bringing up to me, for me, is now also in astrology, it's funny how the fourth house of our upbringing, our roots, our family patterns, conditioning, is squaring the seventh house of committed intimate relationships. And that means that there is always tension. And so we already come with certain projections of how relationships are supposed to work and now in the world it is so saturated with so much distraction you know it becomes even even more complicated and what you were saying um, also about the discernment or the judgment of who is worthy of our love and who isn't you know it brings me back to the question that I posed um, at the middle of the beginning <laughs> or something um, where this transcendental love this cosmic love the unconditional love in the physical reality when it also can become this misused reason tool to stay in toxic unhealthy relationships that are you know not supporting us so how can that be then confused mm -hmm. yeah so i'm trying to rephrase your question so you're asking about the toxic relationships, right? Yeah, and in how, a way of like the tantric teachings, even how uh -huh. they're being used like in this free yes. love, um, you know, not that I'm judging anything or saying yeah. that I'm in any of the sides, but I live in Bali where polyamory is kind of the standard almost, right? Mm, so, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh my God, this is a huge problem, <laughs> you know? Mm. This is uh, this is where even in the past, even hundreds of years ago, the reason Tantra was controlled by the senior teachers and they limited the use of it, it was because of this reason, because people abused the freedom in Tantra. There was a time in the past when people would start to, you know, sleep around uh, with multiple, you know, humans and uh, they would do it in the name of tantra so there was too much of abuse too much of manipulation of emotions too much of exploitation and the gurus the masters they started seeing this damage so they had to intervene step in and the tantra teachings were kept very private for the same reason mm. because there was so much abuse happening and in now in the present day we don't even see those masters or teachers. And even if they exist, they can barely control what's happening. And I know in Bali... Or themselves, um, to be edgy on this, like with all of the sexual abuse that is happening within the closed communities of like tantric ashrams, let's say. Right? Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's a painful situation uh, to witness. 
and I feel we need to bring back a certain control, a certain protocol that this is the right way. I used to get extremely upset, angry over this. And I, I used to write about it. This is, I'm talking about 10 years ago when I left banking and I, I was really, you know, upbeat about changing the system. And I realized by writing on Facebook, I'm not going to change the system. I got to do something about it. So that's when I wrote the book, Break the Norms. Mm -hmm. That's when other things started happening. And I, I saw the change. So good thing is, at least in my tribe, and when I say my tribe, the listeners, the followers, mm -hmm. they are aware of this problem so much because I mention it again and again, again and again. And my hope is, let's say among my listeners, followers, students, if you know 20% are so aware of it, and then they go out and then they restrict this boundary, right? They restrict this drama. That's a win. At least some change is happening. So we need we need more responsible teachers and more willing students, a combination of both. If as a teacher, I am all about it, but if the students are not interested, then my work is irrelevant here. You know who plays the most important role? the students, because students can empower a teacher to do the right thing. If a teacher is exploiting or doing, you know, all the wrong stuff, and if the students call them out and they tell them this is not accepted, this is wrong, then at least the teacher has some fear that, okay, I'm messing it up. I have some power, some knowledge, I'm abusing it. So they will step back. Hopefully they leave that work because it's not for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I always feel, and I keep telling this to the students, the listeners all the time, please demand better stuff so that they prepare better stuff for you. It's like movies. If you start enjoying useless, mindless movies, they'll keep making more because they're getting a very clear message mm -hmm. from the audience that people want Hangover 3. So they don't even want to put the effort that they put in Hangover 1. You know, I'm talking about the, the comedy movie the the one that released a few years ago mm -hmm. if they demand better stuff teachers will have to step up uh, and I love sharing that because I also expect my fathers and students to demand more and more of me mm -hmm. it's it's only secret of why I have been able to you know sort of innovate myself in the last 13-14 years after every three, four years, I sort of step into a completely new chapter because my students are filled and they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm full. What's next? I'm like, oh God, what do I do next? I thought I would give it a thought. <laughs> so I feel inspired by, by the right students around me. Mm. So I have a little reflection on that um, and two more questions. Um, mm -hmm. And when you mention responsibility, I do have to admit something in me like <gasps> tightens a little bit. It's not something that we like nowadays, right? Oh, but yeah. I'm really reframing this responsibility as like just our ability to respond to life and to hold each other in the highest light of love. And that's the progression, right? That's the love that we are here for. The artistry of love, which is like the main topic of today's conversation. How can we keep evolving? How can we keep growing and revealing more of love through everything that we do? And, you know, this responsibility, what I was sensing from your um from your sharing is that that is the Shiva aspect 
that is mm -hmm. here to hold the chaos that the Shakti can sometimes bring and help it come into the fertile ground so that it, the love in it can actually grow and not just be wish-washed around. Yeah. Have groundedness, like right? Exactly. It, it's tough to be responsible, I admit. You know, <laughs> it's tough to be... It's tough to be responsible for yourself. Imagine holding the the authorities responsible. That's such a complicated task to begin with. I have worked on like a recipe for it. Mm -hmm. I have been using it. It works amazingly well for me. And I talk about it in Leela school, you know, many times. I want you to, you know, look up an archetype or... Yes. <laughs> or you know, a figure, a deity, a being that truly resonates with you, that truly speaks your mm. language, but in a larger than life version, right? Mm. So in my uh, life, you know, there's a sect of Tantra teachers called Aghoris. Mm -hmm. They're very unconventional teachers, misunderstood, unconventional, <laughs> very powerful <laughs> And the Aghoris have created some of the most powerful work in Tantra out there. Mm. And because they are so raw, they were always misunderstood. So for me, they remain a very mystical, powerful force. Mm. So when I needed to invite in fire in my journey, I started asking myself, what would an Aghori do in this situation? I remember when the pressure to, you know, confined to social media standards, you know, confined to the book publishing industry, all of that showed up and I felt so like lost and so fragile in it. I literally stopped and asked myself, what would an Aghori do? Mm. In, in a moment, the answer was Aghori doesn't care about this, you know, <laughs> book publishing, social media. They only care about one thing, exploring the tantric path, right? Mm. They're duty and love is toward the divine, no to, toward a book publishing house or a social media app. And it would be, it's it's a joke if I, if as a, a ghori, you are investing your energy on a publisher, it sounds funny as you start mm -hmm. to, you know, put it to words. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh, wow, it's so powerful. And after that moment, I never went back to that, you know, uh, space. And mm -hmm. honestly, it made me almost so secure or too secure to say that I started saying no to many glamorous opportunities where you know the name would be on the limelight and all of that would happen mm -hmm. because I didn't enjoy that uh, and I wouldn't have been able to say no if that would have happened with before this whole mantra what would a ghori do so I tell my students you know ask yourself, what would a goddess do in this? Mm. If you have a particular goddess you resonate with, you know, ask yourself, what would goddess Lakshmi do here? You know, if you are conflicted with a money situation, uh, ask yourself, what would a goddess Lakshmi do? And you would know, she wouldn't be, you know, confused <laughs> about money right now, for sure. <laughs> she knows what's coming. Uh. So, yeah, that's my, you know, secret sauce, if you want to call it. <laughs> 
That is beautiful and so, so powerful. And, you know, like I love working with archetypes, especially for this reason. And that's why that's how I work with astrology. Basically, uh -huh. I work with archetypes, not with predictions. Uh, um, it's yeah. how can we expand into more of who we already are? And I love what you brought you know with like being devoted to the specific archetype at first we usually need to go out and explore to even uh -huh. see what is our flavor right and this uh -huh. is where i feel like astrology is like a beautiful playground for that at the end of the day lila the divine play in which you know you operate is also a beautiful playground for that but when i lived in india um, and I studied Vedic philosophy there, my teacher would also say that. She was like, well, imagine if you keep digging holes to come to the truth, but you keep digging in like different philosophies, you keep digging on the surface, surface, surface. Like there's a certain level to which you will go. You, have a, you will have a broad garden, but you want to get to the source, to the essence. And this is where that devotion can also come. But like at some point, and this is same with, I guess, what you're saying with relationships partnerships like the freedom that is found when we actually allow ourselves to root down and dig into the ground exactly and that's the freedom right that's the freedom and i love you use the word devotion so much because i mm -hmm. feel it's a boring word to many people nowadays really <laughs> uh, yeah i feel not in devotion. my world <laughs> <laughs> right devotion brings in so much you know discipline reverence love mm. and I, I find it so powerful um mm. yeah it's so interesting because for me devotion brings lightness effortlessness mm. and flow it's like the responsibility the consistency that feels constricting but devotion is just like love flowing there's no other way but to be devoted because you know that like this is where this is what you came here for, to experience mm -hmm. life and love in such depths, in such artistry that it offers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have different labels, but they are leading to the same destination, right? Yeah. yeah. So to bring this beautiful conversation to like some kind of like a meeting point, mm -hmm. um, to be an artist of love, I have to say that now this term, this label will always, I will always connect it to Madeline Moon's new book, The Artist of Love mm -hmm. that I just, I'm currently reading. And I right. noticed your acknowledgement inside that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say that I truly deeply love her work and her embodiment of like the sacred sassiness. And I would really highly recommend the listeners to, yeah, check it out. Um, but I would love to know from your perspective, how are we artists of love and life? Or what makes us artists of love? How can we bring more art, beauty, and balance into our love affair with ourselves, with God, with life, and with other people? Yeah, I mean, who are we if we are not an artist, right? Uh, yeah. We are constantly creating art with the food, with music, words, emotions, the art is present everywhere. And who are we without love? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, nobody. We can't exist without love. So when you become artist of love, I mean, there's no better or spicier combination than that. <laughs> uh, in my world, 
you become artist of love by trusting the unknown you know mm. by uh, respecting the unknown by jumping into the unknown uh, i do not uh, find so much joy or thrill when i'm only surrounded with certainty the known the familiar the comfort i like when i'm in the unknown space when i don't know what's next when i don't know how this will unfold uh i feel in tantra this is such a you know fundamental principle to step into the unknown mm-hmm. and i'll i'll share uh you know a fun story when you you know reached out for the podcast uh i barely do podcast interviews right so i remember i was still sitting here when i'm sitting right now and mm-hmm. i saw your message and i saw your podcast name i randomly clicked on the the episode i think it was a recent episode i listened the first 15 seconds of your introduction i stopped the podcast i texted you know my assistant i said let's schedule a podcast with her <laughs> that was <laughs> that was me trusting the unknown you know beautiful 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 yeah the artist that creates from that nothingness right and like brings mm-hmm. through the creation trusting that life and love will flow through i love mm-hmm. that and love did we bring <laughs> is there anything else chandraj that you feel like you would like to share with the listeners of the cosmic explorations <laughs> I would like to tell them keep listening to your podcast number 1 <laughs> you know add some good reviews number 2 and <laughs> number 3 I would say you know start opening up to life you know mm-hmm. don't keep your windows closed all the time when you open the windows of course sometimes a little dust may come little rain may come but at all other times nice breeze sunshine beautiful energy will walk in so start opening the windows of your soul of your heart uh, even if you were hurt in the past it's okay trust you know just because you were hurt in the past it does not mean that you will always be hurt you know if you wish to heal you got to trust and that's the only way and that is the trust in the unknown that love brings right absolutely beautiful um Is there anything that is currently alive in your field in your programs and how can people connect with you? Uh we are working on a very powerful program right now mm-hmm. it's called Goddess Rising. Um <laughs> this is the first week I have started talking about it actually. Mm-hmm. Uh it will be released next year early next year most likely that would be the first program of Leela next year. Mm-hmm. uh it talks about tantra goddesses uh and how you can actually you know tap into their energy to live practically a meaningful harmonious life um to be part of the leela space i would highly encourage you visit leelagurukul.com and sign up for the emails number 2 subscribe to the leela gurukul podcast or listen mm-hmm. to the episodes that's where a lot of you know my work lives Mm-hmm. and of course instagram is there uh you know as much as i kind of hesitate to fully embrace instagram it also connects me with lovely people like you eva so mm-hmm. you know gratitude where it is you know uh, due for instagram for sure so instagram mm-hmm. is a great place for, to connect with me at cb meditates uh, and yeah leela podcast leela emails but that's where you know we continue to share a lot of stuff 
Beautiful. Yeah, I have to say that on Instagram, I really feel the artist on, of you stepping out. And it's beautiful. I, I've felt touched by your poems so many times, you know, like in the potency and like the clarity that it brings in just a few words. Um, yeah. I realized if I want to be on Instagram, I'd rather do it my way. I don't want to like Absolutely. satisfy the trends, keep giving spiritual wisdom. I like writing poetry. So Instagram should be the space for it for me. So thank you for appreciating it. <laughs> yeah. And if I may add, it's like being the artist of love means finding the flavor of your artistry in your authentic expression. That is what love supports your I'm... vulnerable revealing, right? Whether in partnership or on platforms or in public. I fully mm. agree. Thank you so much, Chandresh, for having this beautiful conversation with me, for sharing your wisdom and your heart and your art of being. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you, Eva. It was a pleasure. So much fun. And this is such a unique way of doing the podcast that you do with the chart open. So mm. yeah, that was fun. It's always so fascinating to mm -hmm. see when people are so beautifully embodied in what their life, like what their souls came here to share with the world. And it's really a delight to see you shine in, in your colorful and symbolic archetypal glory. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for staying till the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love for you to let me know in whatever form suits you by sharing, by commenting, by giving a review, stars falling down. Um, either way, I love feeling you and receiving your feedback. And if you wish to connect with me further, cosmicasplorations.com, Viva Cristina on Instagram. And yeah, I'm here for ya, baby. Can't wait to see you.